You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Peace be upon you and welcome to Drive Time Show. Uh, myself, uh, Imran Akram and uh, my co-host, Talib Bond. How are you? Uh, peace and blessings to all listeners out there. Happy New Year. Yes, I'm fine. Um, full of the joys of the New Year, I suppose, uh, as is the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're a couple of days into it. It's actually, I'm just looking out at our, our, our beautiful site, uh, more like a building site, actually. Um, but yeah, just uh, it, it seems to be a calm Mm-hmm. Because, like, mm-hmm. uh, I think over the Christmas period or over the the, the season, uh, the festive season, I should say, uh, I don't know about you. Did you see the snow bomb uh, no, over it, in the United States? Oh yeah, it was very horrible. I mean, it was scary to watch even. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I saw the aftermath of it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, around Lake Erie, which is one of the Great Lakes uh, mm-hmm. in in uh, in the United States. The houses were frozen. Absolutely. So it looked like some scene out of Apocalypse, uh, you know, 2012 or something like that. It's some disaster film mm-hmm. from um, uh, from Hollywood. So uh, luckily, uh, you know, um, thanks to God, we haven't had uh, such uh, cold weather. Uh, and it seems to be getting milder. So, mm-hmm. yes, you know, I'm feeling much better. Uh, I seem to have... Uh, navigated between all the little bugs that we've mm-hmm. had. I had a bit of a cough here, a bit of cough there. Went up to sunny Bradford uh, during the uh, uh, festive season. And I shouldn't say sunny so much, but uh, it did rain a bit. But uh, quite an experience. So, right, yeah. right. so um, how do you usually celebrate your um, New Year Eve? And- um, well, no, not nothing much. I mean, we did do uh, extra nawful prayer mm-hmm. uh, come midnight. Uh, it was just myself, my wife, and uh, our son. We just watched all the fireworks on the TV, uh, and that was it. Really, yeah. it was a very quiet one. Yeah. So, with the, uh, you just reminded me an incident which happened to me. Uh, so, I usually you know go sleep at around twelve o'clock, mm-hmm. and but um, because I had to lead the Taj prayer, which is a, a voluntary prayer which you offered before. Fajr prayer, so I go to my bed around 11-ish, mm-hmm. uh, but I couldn't sleep because, you know, it was mon- not my usual time. <laughs> but uh, as soon as the clock hits 12 o'clock, mm-hmm. the fireworks uh, are everywhere, I couldn't mm-hmm. sleep. And then my neighbor, he puts music so loud that my the wall of my rooms were shaking <laughs> all night, <laughs> so I couldn't really sleep. And then so even if you wanted to, you, 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 you're woken up by, uh, by the big, uh, well... <laughs> The charms of Big Ben, so yeah, to speak. Yeah. So let's get uh, into the topic. Um, mm-hmm. So with regard, uh, to our topic is that uh, New Year and uh, resolution, uh, revolution, um, sorry, resolution, New Year resolution. And the so we have entered uh, the New Year on the New Year. People celebrate in various ways by um, wishing each other, having sweets, going out, etc. However, for a true believer, the acceptance of repentance and enhance, enhance spirituality is what makes the New Year blessed. Truly blessed time is when a person is brought towards God by fulfilling the rights of God and of his creation. The ten conditions of bad lay an excellent foundation for us to truly have a blessed New Year and enhance our spirituality. Promised Messiah, the founder of Ahmadiyya Muslim community on whom be peace said, I have been sent so that the age of truth and belief returns, and righteousness is instilled in hearts. Anyone who claims to be an Ahmadi Muslim should constantly analyze 
him or herself as to how much are they fulfilling the condition of their bet. So mm. this is the s- small introduction. So, so, so if I jump in there, just mm. for our uh, non-Islamic uh, or non-Muslim uh, listeners out there. So we're talking about the 10 conditions of bat. So bat is uh, uh, initiation into the community um, of the promised Messiah. So, um, you know, throughout the uh, two hours now, we're going to be talking about those 10 conditions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you are uh, a non-Muslim uh, listener out there, welcome, obviously. <laughs> but uh, you'll find that as we go through these conditions, um, a lot of the conditions that we're uh, we're going to be going through of the ten conditions of that, you're going to you're going to actually say, you know what? I've heard of those conditions <laughs> before because, uh, as true to uh, all things, um, the mainline uh, religions, whether you be a Christian uh, of the Catholic or uh, Church of England, uh, a Muslim, um, uh, a Jew, right? All the mainline um, religions have at their core that um, these, I suppose, prerequisites mm-hmm. of the religion mm-hmm. of which you must follow. So some would say loosely the rules of which you must follow uh, if you want to be a part of that community. And I think one of the most compelling, if not, well, actually, no, one of the most compelling aspects of Islam and becoming a Muslim is that uh, you know religion? Yeah, is not compulsive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you are not um, compelled to believe in one or the other. It should be obviously your free choice. Right, right. So um, uh, regarding the you know um, that the bad or the mm-hmm. um, the pledge shouldn't the be pledge. you know just uh, just shouldn't be just mere words. The promised Messiah on peace uh, peace be upon him said uh, that. The benefit of bath is not ritualistic. Such bath does not have blessing. One can only attain blessings of bath when, when one progresses, progresses spiritually and connects with love and sincerity to the one whose bath has been taken. For a person to fulfill his bath in a proper manner, it is vital that he show the respect and the perfect obedience. Mm-hmm. Obedience is very, very much important. Mm-hmm. Now, if I may ask you, what is the first condition of bat? Well, the first condition of bat, and the first and foremost condition of bat is uh, of, you know, of taking pledge is abstaining from shirk. Now, shirk uh, is associating partners with uh, God Almighty, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you you must not, whatever you do, must not associate any partners uh, with God. Now, even a hint of shirk is unacceptable to God. Uh, Shirk represents weakness in faith, and without firm faith, the rest of the conditions of bat cannot be fulfilled to uh, its utmost standards. So if we think about that, it's like um, that first brick in a foundation, mm-hmm. right? right? So right. when you build a building, you know, you've got the, the foundations, right? And then every floor up from the base has to be, you know, has to be a stable base. So that first condition of uh, uh, bat, which is you know not uh, associating any partners with God Almighty, is the most important. Now, uh, His Holiness, uh, the uh, head of the worldwide Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Mirza Masrur Ahmad, uh, may Allah strengthen his hand, uh, has said regarding this to associate anyone in the name 
uh, action or worship of Allah constitutes shirk. And to carry out all good deeds solely for the pleasure of Allah is called worship. People believe that there is no creator except Allah. And they also believe that life and death are in the hands of Allah, who has complete control and power over them. Mm-hmm. Even though they believe in this, they prostrate in front of others, tell lies and perform circuits before others instead of actually worshipping Allah. Mm-hmm. They worship others. Instead of fasting for Allah, they fast for others. Right. And instead of praying to Allah, they pray to others and give alms for them. Now, to uproot these false notions, Allah Almighty raised the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. Right. So, um, I just need to elaborate on this point that, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, what is shirk? And uh, people just thought, sometimes thought that, you know, associating partners with Allah is a shirk. But uh, associating uh, the someone with the attributes of God is mm-hmm. also a form of shirk. And that was the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him said uh, in one of his uh, hadiths, he said that my people will not worship the sun and the moon, the idol and the stone. They will suffer from astonation in their action and they will be prey to their hidden desires. One of them will start the day fasting, but then he will come across a desire and he will break the fast and indulge in his desire. Mm -hmm. Now, this is is the... um, Let's let's hear um, a first audio and uh, about the um, shirk, and then uh, we'll come back to you. There's one thing that sets us apart and in which we can take great pride, and that is that we have heard the cry of the caller of this era, and upon hearing it, we have proclaimed that we listen and we obey and have entered his blessed fold. This is our foundation. This is our identity. This is our true value. And so this is great blessing. Uh, This great blessing should remain at the forefront of our minds and embedded in our hearts at all times. As members of the community of the Prophet Messiah the fear of Allah should take priority and precedence over all of our thoughts and reflections. Our views, opinions, and beliefs should all be rooted in the fear of Allah, the Almighty. Hence, if we are given the opportunity to present our experiences or views, we must ensure that the fear of Allah consumes every fiber of our beings as we speak. The fear of Allah should control our tongues. The fear of Allah should rule our hearts. The fear of Allah should govern our every suggestion and statement. So that was um, Worldwide 
head of Ahmadi Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad, and uh, he was elaborating the point about um, the oneness of God and shirk. Uh, just to elaborate on this point more, I uh, want to read a com- couple of uh, couplets from the writing of the Promised Messiah, um, The Promised Messiah, says, Shirk does not mere means bowing before stones or etc. Rather, it is also shirk that should be dependent that that you should depend entirely on worldly means and emphasize worldly idols. Now that kind of shirk, and he further says that if an employee exceeds the limit of due obedience to his employer, and by way of fluttering promises, uh, praises him and believes that his sentence, his sustenance depends on him, that too is a form of shirk. So here he kind of elaborate that you know shirk is not. Um, just associating partners with Allah. Mm-hmm. It is uh, depending on someone that he is the sustainer of, of my job or he is the provider mm-hmm. for yeah, me as so well. This is actually giving, I suppose, you know, it's that idea, if we if we relate it to contemporary times, materialism, right? right? right. So materialism in itself can be a form of shirt because you have that um, that want, that desire for material goods, yeah? Mm-hmm. And then you think that that in itself is self-fulfilling. Um, so yeah, and we see that uh, every everywhere we look nowadays. But to elaborate more and to talk more regarding the conditions of uh, bad uh, pledge and allegiance, we have our first guest, I believe. Yes. Um, so uh, he is my friend as well, um, Mustafa Siddiqui. Assalamualaikum, Mustafa. Welcome, Salam. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm I'm good. Alhamdulillah. And uh, he's a graduate from Jamia Ahmadiyya, mm-hmm. UK. And uh, so we're talking about uh, the condition of bad and uh, the new uh, resolution. So um, can you tell us uh, how do you celebrate your new resolution? How do you celebrate your new or, or uh, have you got have you made any <laughs> New Year's resolutions? Let's start with that. Um, I think the important thing is like the, um, one of the a central tenet of this, a tenet, an important aspect of Islam is the importance of self reflection mm-hmm. um holding yourself to account um as uh, the second caliph of the prophet muhammad peace be upon him um umar may Allah be pleased with him said a very famous quote of his which was hold yourselves to account before you are held to account i.e measure and analyze what you do before before you're held to account i.e before god analyzes what you do when you will no longer have the chance to reassess your good deeds. So because in the life of a Muslim, I mean, I wouldn't make this claim that I'm very good at it, but I mean, I at least know the theory in Islam that self-reflection and self-analysis is, an, is, a, is a constant and ever-present, should be a, a constant and ever-present aspect of the life of a Muslim. And that doesn't have anything to do in itself with the new year or any particular time of year because a Muslim should be somebody who's constantly seeking to fulfill the purpose of his life and because you could go at any time, as the Holy Quran says, that if, you know, even if you're in fortified castles, when death comes, you can't escape it. Mm. You know when you knows when their time will be, and you don't know if you'll make it to the next year. And if you do, that's a blessing of God, but that's certainly not a given. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what you are saying essentially, uh, uh, Mustafa, is that instead of I, I suppose it's become maybe. A tradition 
in the West now to, you know, obviously with New Year and to make New New Year's resolutions, uh, whether they be, I suppose, uh, in line with one's health, uh, one's prosperity, uh, and the more, I suppose, material aspects of our life. So wouldn't it actually be beneficial, uh, this this, this way of uh, thought and way of life that you've suggested, uh, in actually, uh, you know, not just to obviously a Muslim, but to, you know, people of all faiths. Because if we actually have that core of self-reflection, uh, and not necessarily, like you said, at the beginning of the year uh, or throughout the year, then that in itself will, I suppose, uh, ensure us and actually uh, make us weary of when our final day is to come. Yes, you're right to point out that this isn't just limited to Muslims, it's limited to people of other faiths. I'd go further to say that it's not even limited to religious people at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at like a, an athlete or a student or, or a successful entrepreneur, the entire point is of self-improvement and bettering what you have is looking at what's not working in your life, mm-hmm. personal, professional or any kind, and ironing out those errors to make your future better than your present and your past. But also about the New Year's resolutions themselves, I'd never discourage, you know, people making the resolves to improve their lives, to do better by themselves and to do better by other people. There's always something to be applauded. That's never ever something um, I would do anything apart from, or any Muslim would do anything apart from, mm. uh, applaud and encourage and support. It's just the idea that I often hear, like, uh, after like two, three, I only want gym go i'll go to the gym every day or something that's just <laughs> yeah one of those things that if after like a, a few weeks mm. um people's like oh you know I, I i didn't keep up with it and then mm. are you then gonna wait for the next year you can't be doing that to yourself mm-hmm. i don't think mm. yeah so that's what i'm saying uh in in that sense um maybe actually i'm i'm just kind of uh brainstorming this between uh, us three here that mm-hmm. Actually, as a concept, right, instead of having New Year's resolutions, just obviously have resolutions, right? Life resolutions. Yeah, and then, because we're, we're so, I suppose, nowadays, time-oriented, uh, orientated, I should say, or um, project-orientated, right, mm-hmm. um, that actually, let's use that time of the year, right, at the beginning of the year, to have that reflection of actually... These were my goals for the previous year or the previous time period, right? Have I met them? Yeah. Have I got part way there? Because, uh, you know, um, well, one would say a great man, right? So mm-hmm. this is, I'm, I'm quoting Mao Zedong, uh, chairman of the uh, Communist Party in China. Right. So before the Communist Party, well, actually, no, it was during the inception of the Communist Party. And when the Communist Army was being chased by the Nationalist Army mm-hmm. around China. So you can imagine that was quite a long chase, right? He said to his uh, his army, the People's Republic uh, Army, that, you know what, we now begin the long march. Right. You know, don't think what will where our destination is going to be. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Just think one step after another. And before you know it, you're going to reach or we will reach our destination. Now, when you reflect on that, I mean, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing uh, what uh, Chairman Mao 
uh, was saying at the time, because obviously it was in Chinese, right, to start <laughs> off with. But um, I suppose the rationale behind that thought was, or that um, statement was that actually don't get disheartened by the ultimate end goal. Yeah, that that mm -hmm. that target, that uh, uh, whatever thing that you want to reach, because sometimes it can seem too far away. It can seem like it's a mountain. You know, it's the top of the summit of a mountain and you're never, ever going to get there. But if you actually say, right, OK, that's going to be my dream, my goal, mm -hmm. my hope. And you start your journey towards it one step after another, then before you know it, you know, you're maybe a fifth of the way. And then, you know, at one point in that journey, you're going to look back and think, wow, I've progressed this far. Absolutely. Yes, uh, you're so, um, I mean, right. And let's get get back to the um, second condition of bath. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mustafa, the second condition of bath is that the um, he shall or uh, she shall keep away from falsehood, cruelty and adultery. Now, uh, is lying permissible uh, in any situation? For example, if a person doesn't like the food some uh, someone has prepared for him, can he, uh, like, He's asked how how and when the person asked how is the food, should he um, like um, say lie to avoid hurting other feelings? Good question. Um, this reminds me of the the Prophet's piece we put him in his book Nur al Quran, Part Two, referencing the uh, the allegation or the objection of, of a Christian priest that the Prophet peace be upon him allowed lying in three cases in the cases case of a <clears throat> a, a husband talking to his wife so as to not make her upset about something, uh, someone reconciling between two warring people, or uh, as part of the strategy of battle. And he said that um, the Prophet allowed lying. The Promised Messiah explained that uh, the word, the, what that is, is actually that's being, that's called, basically what in Arabic is known in the Quranic uh, terminology is basically essentially term, amounts to hikmah, which is wisdom when you speak which is a general principle that you don't every not everything should be said in every situation and he made the point that the, it's only called lying in the, in that saying of the prophet in these two situations to make it clear that it's not something that is generally a muslim should do but but at the same time the prophet himself was uh, was known for um when it came to battle um getting his soldiers to mm -hmm. walk one way and then turning around to make it look like to the enemy that they were going the other way so as to okay. catch them unawares mm -hmm. within battle. And and the Prophet, for example, a similar example to your question, um, someone gave grapes to the Prophet, peace upon him, and the Prophet, uh, as in, in a way that was unusual as compared to his practice, didn't share the grapes with his companions but had them all himself. And the companions asked out of respect afterwards, Oh Prophet, peace upon you, peace upon you. You always share our grapes, your grapes, and anything you have with us. And this time you didn't, maybe ask why. And he said, I didn't share the grapes with you because they were sour. Mm -hmm. And I feared that if any one of you ate the grapes and accidentally made it let, it, let it on from your face that they were sour, you'd end up hurting the feelings of that person who came and brought this um, this gift, which is, which is in itself a fantastic example of the of the lofty morals and kindness of the Prophet, peace upon him. But there's the general principle. The mm -hmm. Prophet didn't make it clear, it didn't consider it of any benefit to inform the person who'd done their best to bring them a gift that this thing wasn't nice. So on the basis and the assumption that this person has made you a meal, 
um, you know, if they didn't want to provide for you, they wouldn't invite you over. If they invited you over into their house, they probably chances are I want to provide for you and give you something you know that's comfortable and enjoyable for you. And so, therefore, there's uh, many things you can, many ways you can phrase something. You can phrase the effort, for example, for example, that's gone into the meal without saying necessarily that it was the nicest thing you've ever had. If it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Mustafa, um, if we talk about the, th- um, the third condition of bad, um, it's relating to Salat and uh, worship of your Creator. So, can you shed some light upon uh, worship? Why it is important to worship your Creator in various religions? Um, so, in Islam, we know that obviously it is very important. So, what's your um, point of view of worship, worshipping your Creator? It's a good point. I think... Uh one way you can understand it is um, anything in life, if you, do, if you don't know why you're doing something, then it's basically a pointless task. If you're just copying people, mm-hmm. or you're doing something because you don't know better. But whenever you do something, if you, if you have motivation behind it, if you're motivated to do something versus something you're not motivated to do, you'll do the first thing better. You'll keep thinking about the first thing and you'll keep trying to analyze about how to make that first thing better. And it is, it is a guarantee that that thing will turn out better than something you did that you weren't motivated to. Mm-hmm. Worshipping God, well, firstly, from the very beginning, from the point of birth, even before you seek to recognize God, you owe God a, great, a debt of gratitude for everything he's given to you. So that's one fundamental reason to worship God, uh, to, to, for gratitude right. for what God has given you to express thanks, just like you do to people, you express thanks to God. But more than that, Worship is about understanding the reason behind why we're here. Because as we, as we know, when you discover the motivation to do something, you can be far more effective. You can discover abilities that you have and you can exceed your own expectations in how far you go to achieve something when you fundamentally understand and feel motivated and are impassioned to achieve that thing. What worshipping does by teaching you and getting you to understand by your relationship with God and by the study of religion why you're here in this world gives you a purpose to improve your own life and to improve the other the life of others around you, which you won't have if you don't believe in God, because if mm-hmm. you don't believe in God, then the entire universe is basically a cosmic accident when some rocks banged into each other. And just like you wouldn't give any importance to the feelings or the aspirations of a rock, right. you wouldn't give any importance to the feelings or aspirations of things, i.e. human beings themselves, that have, that have sprung from those very same rocks. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Mustafa, um, to enlighten us and to give us your opinion on uh, on the condition of bath. Um, it was a pleasure to have you. Uh, peace be upon you. Assalamu alaikum. Sorry, my guys, as always. Bless you. Jazakallah. Thank you. So, um, um, yeah, so if we talk about the second condition of bath, mm-hmm. um, Taliswab, can you... Um, so I think, uh, you know, what I guess Mustafa was like talking about or that question regarding, uh, I suppose, yeah, is it OK to tell, tell mm-hmm. a white mm-hmm. lie uh, is pertaining to the second condition of uh, uh, pledging your allegiance or bad. So that is, you know, he shall keep away from falsehood, cruelty, adultery, dishonesty, uh, disorder, rebellion and every kind of evil. Uh, Hazrat uh, Abdullah bin Amr bin Alas states or relates that the holy prophet peace and blessings be upon him said whoever has the following four characteristics is a real hypocrite and whoever has one of these characteristics has an element of hypocrisy until he leaves that habit 
when he speaks, he tells a lie. His speech is mingled with falsehood, and he utters falsehood. When he makes a contract, he breaks it. When he makes a promise, he breaks it.、Mm-hmm. It is also a form of falsehood. When he argues, he starts using foul language.、Uh, not doing these things is an easy New Year's resolution. Just by determining to be honest、uh, in all life matters、uh, leads to elimination of other sins as well.、Uh, as well, eventually allowing one to increase in one's own spirituality. Now, one should. Be determined to be、uh, this resolute, and should examine oneself at the end of the day. Now, having done their best to be honest,、uh, keeping one's word and refraining from using foul language.、Mm-hmm. Now, just by truly attempting to improve on these things, in order to gain the pleasures of Allah, one can increase their levels of spirituality. Now, falsehood is the greatest of all evils. Uh, once somebody asked the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, for the advice, because that person was suffering from many weaknesses and did not think that he could leave them all at once,、uh, the Holy Prophet,、uh, bless, uh, peace and blessings be upon him, told him, "Promise that you will always speak the truth and will never tell a lie." Now, just by adopting the path of truthfulness, he was freed from all his sins one by one. Whenever he thought of committing a sin, He thought that if he were caught, he would be presented before the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him.、Um, he had、uh, he had promised not to tell a lie.、Uh, if he were to speak the truth about any fact or act, he might be humiliated or punished. Now, gradually, he was freed from all his sins, and you know,、mm-hmm. I suppose that is you know what we're saying. You know, even with. When we said the first condition of bad, yeah, which、right. is not to associate any partners with、uh, God Almighty, this in itself、uh, is that one one rule that the Holy Prophet peace and blessings be upon him has just simply、uh, given this、um, this person, which actually makes him, you know, actually. Deters him and pushes him away from all other sins. Because、mm-hmm. if you think about it, right, in your daily life, yeah, you know, if you just stick to the straight and narrow and just tell, you know, avoid telling lies, yeah, and be honest,、um, then you're going to stop yourself from falling into other pitfalls. Absolutely. I mean,、um, the lie, especially in a falsehood, is very much emphasized in 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 Quran and in the in Islam. Uh, so much so that Allah the Almighty、um, says that falsehood is like、um, idolatry. So in in the verse, there's a verse of the、uh, in the Holy Quran which says, "Fajtanibu ridsa min al ausani, wajtanibu kaula zur." So here the word falsehoods and adultery have been used in conjunction. Now, indeed, falsehood and is an idol because otherwise no one would leave the truth. Just as an idol has nothing but Artificial polish, or、um, so too falsehood has no reality behind it. Now you know it is so much um, um, emphasized um, f- that one shouldn't speak falsehood. That you know sometimes we give the gesture to the kid that you know、uh, if you do that I will give you sweets, for example.、Mm-hmm. So even this is a lie. So one of the hadith、uh, sayings of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that whoever invited a young child to give him something. And did not do so, it would be counted as a lie. 
So you know this is uh, this is a very very important point because mm-hmm. in order to um, keep your uh, keep moral trailing of your children, it is very important that you shouldn't you know um, speak um, uh, lie even in just by by way of joking. Because eventually your child gonna get you know uh, get the habit of uh, yeah, exactly. lying, and mm. and then mm. it will um, keep with him rest of mm. his life. Exactly. So you know, Imran, we're gonna move on to the third condition of bad. Yeah. And now, other than being uh, actually the third condition of bad, it's also the second pillar of Islam, and it is vital uh, for a true Muslim to read his five daily prayers. Now, the Holy Quran states, "Successful indeed are the believers who are humble in their prayers." This is uh, chapter 23, verses 2 to 3. Now, according to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, Salat is the pinnacle of the spiritual life of the believer. It is the highest form of divine worship. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, is further reported to have said, Prayer brings the believer into communion with his Lord. Prayer displays true humility towards God, brings comfort to people, and burns one's sins away. Allah the Almighty created human was for his worship. And in this regard, the primary form of worship are the five daily prayers, that is Salat or Namaz. Anyone who calls themselves a Muslim must pay great attention to ensuring that they protect and guard their worship which requires them to be regular and punctual in offering namaz with utmost sincerity. The reason Allah the Almighty has made namaz obligatory is because a person cannot remain spiritually alive without it. In in other words, Salat is, is, is indispensable and person's faith and spirituality cannot survive without it. With the grace of Allah, many young Ahmadis are very diligent in offering namaz and have developed a personal connection with Allah the Almighty. I have observed such a spirit within many young Ahmadis. I have met or it has become apparent through their letters to me. Yet there is no room for complacency regarding the worship of Allah the Almighty. Now this was the um, audio of uh, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad regarding Salat, which is the uh, one of the five pillars of Islam. And uh, if we talk about more Salat, about Salat, so um, praying allows you to make a connection with God, increase your friendship with God, and increases level of spirituality to very high standards. With regards to prayer, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad, the worldwide um, head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, said, Surat al-Fatiha, uh, which is a prayer we, uh, which we recite during the prayer, uh, reminded us that God is the source of all healings. And when prayer becomes a source of such miraculous healing, through the will of God, a believer makes great progress in his faith, in the oneness of God, and his, 
and his dominance over um, creation. And he is reminded of his purpose in life, which is to continue to progress and advance in spirituality. Now, mm. Salat is the one of the, you know, uh, one of the purpose for mankind, worship Allah the Almighty. Mm-hmm. Now, um, um, so I, actually, I, I would say it's mm. the, yeah, it's the, the methodology, right. right, of which creates the purpose of our first uh, prerequisite of being a Muslim. Which mm. is the worship of Allah, or Absolutely. or or to to give worship to Allah. And I was just thinking, as as you were like talking there, uh, Imran, mm-hmm. you know, if we, because I like to think of it in terms of contemporary, right, right, uh, times and like the the times that we live in today. So if you were to ask, yeah, you know, any youth or not even youth now, right, but mm-hmm. anybody mm-hmm. who's got a, a a smart device, right, whether it be right. a, a phone, tablet, whatever. They are more apt at being in touch with hundreds and thousands of followers or whatever, whether it's be through any social media platform, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether it's uh, Twitter, uh, TikTok, Instagram, etc., etc., etc. So that is the form of communication. So ideally, you know, what is so you know, to synthesize or to, to kind of clarify the message of what prayer is? That is the age-old social media platform that we have each in ourselves with our creator. Right. Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. Because, you know, you can do, you don't need, actually, it's so universal, right? It's so unique that you don't need to have a device. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. All you need are your own thoughts, a quiet place, and it could be even a noisy space, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But, to have communion with your creator uh, and to actually feel that resonance, yeah, revitalizes you. It's it's your way of, I mean, you know, what do you ask for? In It's a bit like when, you know, in Western culture or in Western society, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have a, like a birthday cake. Right. right. Okay. We don't celebrate birthdays <laughs> in Islam, but we see it on the TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, say, for instance, you're giving a birthday cake and it's got candles to a kid or whoever, and they blow them out and say, make a wish. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you make a wish, whatever it may be. So this is our form of having that birthday cake, that uh, online communication, and it's 24-7. Right. But it's synthesized in certain times. Right. Not synthesized. I should say concentrated in certain times where our nearness to God facilitates his, um, I suppose, acceptance of our prayers. Right. So say, for instance, for a Muslim, a true believer, it's those five daily prayers. And when we pray those five daily prayers in congregation as well. The way I see it is when you pray in congregation, it's amplified, mm-hmm. right? So if you think about one person standing on a shore shouting, you can maybe hear them. It's a distant kind of like, you know, noise. But if you have a hundred people standing on that shore shouting the same thing, you're going to hear them, right? Right. right. So it's amplified. Absolutely. So hence, when we give our salat, we give our prayer in congregation, that prayer is amplified. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God hears that. Absolutely. I mean, um, uh, in the same way, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he actually said that Salat is kind of a spiritual bath 
which you as you you know um uh, when you uh, take a physical bath as your dirt cleans away mm-hmm. and your you know um you bo- cleans your body similarly when you offer salat when you offer um uh, pay homage to your creator mm-hmm. then through that uh, your sins um purify purify and it purifies you and you know uh, it gives you that satisfaction that mm-hmm. you're pleasing your creator yeah. now uh, with that um do we have a guest yes we do okay. yes uh our next guest is uh is Lake Tahir uh, Imam Lake Tahir assalamu alaikum peace and blessings be upon you thank you for joining us on the drive time show so where we've been talking about new year's resolutions uh, but actually giving it an islamic look or islam through the prism I should say of Islam, and through the ten conditions of bat uh, allegiance, our pledge of allegiance. Now, yeah, what is more important, uh, would you say, um, uh, uh, Lake Sab, reading salat on time or reading salat in congregation? Well, uh, both are important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cannot differentiate. You cannot say that. Uh, what is more important than uh, the air and what is more important than as compared to air uh, the water and the food and so mm-hmm. each and everything has it is, its importance uh, at its place so what we find that the holy prophet وسلم, has laid emphasis on congregational prayers you know, congregational mm-hmm. prayers, and uh, about the congregational prayers, Golar Mahathir has said in the Holy Quran that it is a salate mahputa, that mm-hmm. at a fixed time this salat has to be offered. So the importance is also there, and the time is also very important there. Otherwise, if no time is fixed, then somebody will come at a different time and uh, there won't be any regard uh, for the congregational prayer. So, the other thing which uh, I was uh, 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 informed that I should uh, explain to the uh, audience that what is the importance of tahajjud mm-hmm. and why is it important to sleep after the Isha prayer mm-hmm. for tahajjud? Mm. So if, uh, Actually, uh, if, if I can just interject there, uh, uh, Imam Saab, can you just because you know we hopefully we're, we're actually spreading our reach to non-Islamic listeners out there as well, right? Uh, and so we want to bring them the message of Islam. Can you just quickly, briefly, just explain what is Tajid prayer? That's right. Yes, Tajid prayer. You know, uh, before Islam, before the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Nobody at all knew what is Tahajjud. It was the Holy Prophet who first of all introduced. He offered Namaz Tahajjud. He showed his followers, his Sahaba, that how to offer and at what time it should be offered. So all these these things have been explained by the Holy Prophet before him. Nobody ever had offered and observed namaz tahajjud and nobody knew the rules of namaz tahajjud So the Holy Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, for complete compliance 
we have to follow the Holy Prophet He always offered his namaz tahajjud after sleeping for some time. So this is the, uh, what we find also in the Holy Quran. You know about the tahajjud of uh, the Holy Prophet in Surah Al-Muzzammil, uh, in the first six, seven verses, Lord Almighty has mentioned uh, the rules of namaz tahajjud I would like uh, to read out to you a few verses. Yes, please, uh, please, please carry on. Lord Almighty says, Ya Ayyuhal Muzzamil, O thou who art bearing a heavy responsibility, get up at night, stand up at night uh, to observe prayer, accept a small portion thereof. Then God Almighty says, half of it or make it a little less than that. So God Almighty is saying that during the night how the Holy Prophet was being advised that he should get up that night or how long he should stand up in the way of Allah so that he can also take some rest. Then Allah says, all zid alayhi wa ratalil qurana tartila. Or make a little more than that and recite the Quran slowly and thoughtfully. Then right. Allah says, inna tanulqi alayka fallen citizen. Verily we are charging thee with a weighty word. And finally, inna nashiatan layli. Verily, getting up at night. This way, getting up at night also shows that the Holy Prophet used to sleep for some time and then he used to get up. So, the question whether we should sleep before namaz hajjad or not has been answered in this way. That verily, getting up at night is the most potent means of subduing the self and most effective in respect of words of prayers. So this is what the Holy Quran says about it. Mm-hmm. I would like to tell you uh, to explain this uh, further uh, an inspiring incident of Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood right. Once uh, he, he pledged to Allah Ta'ala that uh, from now on he would always offer namaz tahajjud through all the night and he will not take rest at all. <laughs> he also pledged that he will fast for the whole year without any break. And uh, the Holy Prophet came to know about it. He asked him, Abdullah, did you say like this? He said, yes, of course, mm-hmm. O Prophet of Allah. I, I intend to observe namaz tahajjud and observe uh, fasting in this way. The Holy Prophet said, Look, I also fast, but uh, there are times when I do not fast. I also offer namaz tahajjud, but there daily at night, for some time I take rest also. So you better follow my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So that was the advice of the Holy Prophet, 
we should also remember another point on this uh, subject is that salat is obligatory it is farz and tahajjud is optional and voluntary prayer so farz cannot be sacrificed for nafal for optional uh, services so this is a important point we should remember the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam once uh, at fajr time he saw a sahabia a very noble lady she was present there the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam asked her lady mm-hmm. where is your son i don't see him here she said oh prophet of allah my son was engaged in uh, Uh, namaz-e tahajjud in nawafil throughout the night mm-hmm. and at the end of the night he was so tired that he was unable to come to the mosque the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said it had been far far better if he had offered namaz-e tahajjud for some time and then he had taken some rest and also he had come down to the mosque to offer obligatory prayer so another point which uh, we should all remember if we leave farz we become sinful if we offer uh, uh, nawafil these are optional services we attain nearness to allah taala so by leaving farz that is obligatory services and uh, prayers will become sinful and by offering nawafil optional and voluntary prayers we attain and gain nearness to allah taala the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that uh, through nawafil that is all voluntary prayers uh, a person a servant of allah attains nearness to allah taala to that extent that uh, allah becomes his hands with which he grasps allah becomes his feet with which he walks allah becomes his eyes with which he sees allah becomes his ears with which he hears allah becomes his tongue with which he speaks thus my servant becomes my friend mm-hmm. the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that if somebody follows these things my servant becomes my friend my wali and uh, who becomes uh, an enemy of my friend allah taala challenges him to fight with him mm-hmm. so this is the instruction of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam regarding namaz e tahajjud and uh, the etiquettes of tahajjud mentioned in the holy quran in surah al-muzammil jazakumullah thank you so much uh, imam like sahab that was uh, imam like tahasab giving the uh, inside view about salat and the tahajjud prayer uh, now let's hear um, the audio regarding the salat and then we'll get back to you we must never let our standards slide we must continuously seek to improve and strengthen our connection with our creator just as our physical bodies require food and air in the same way our need 
our, our souls need continuous spiritual nourishment. Often people submit and bow down before Allah the Almighty with great fervor and humility. Humility, when faced with difficulty or when they require something. However, as soon as their problems are resolved, their spiritual intensity quickly diminishes and they become lazy and lose focus on, uh, in their prayers. Their spiritual state changes like the weather. Sometimes it is warm, sometimes it is cold, sometimes the wind blows in one direction, sometimes in another. Sometimes after a period of hot weather, there is a torrent of rain or a cool breeze which serves as a source of temporary relief and joy but is not a lasting player. Thus, just as a person is in perpetual need of air, food, and water, in the same way, if a person wishes to remain spiritually alive, they must ensure that they constantly nourish their soul through Salat. Hence, throughout your lives, namaz should be the one constant companion that you never let go of. Welcome back. That was Hazrat Amirza Masur Ahmad Diwal, um, head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, talking about Salat. Now, if we quickly go to the uh, fourth and the fifth condition of well, bed. Actually, let me just jump in there. I know right. we were like saying to go <laughs> to the fourth and fifth. But uh, something just occurred to me again mm. as, as we were listening to the words of His Holiness regarding prayer right. and actually relating it to what uh, Imam Lake was telling us uh, about the significance of prayer and doing uh, basically obligatory and voluntary prayers. So I was like thinking, as he was talking, like, you know, most things we have a minimum maximum, right? right? Right. And I suppose minimum maximum, the minimum is doing your obligatory prayers, your five prayer daily prayers a day, absolutely on time, mm -hmm. right? So that is the bare minimum, or one of the bare minimums, I should say, to be coming a true believer, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and to actually push that up to the max is to do the voluntary prayers, absolutely. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm just articulating mm -hmm. for, for 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 those of us who aren't as pious <laughs> as 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 mm. uh, imams, right? Because you know, if we were all imams, we wouldn't have to have this show. Right, right. So we need to. Uh, so I suppose on my uh, level, I'm trying as the as the common man, as the layman, mm -hmm. think that actually there's always a possibility. There's always a uh, let's 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 call it a opportunity, right, for everyone to actually better themselves. Absolutely. And I know that's a bit like you know stating the obvious, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes you know, especially in the world that we live in today, you get a lot of negative feelings, negative vibes out there, and people feeling down on themselves for whatever reason. They're you know, who's to know? Yeah, there's mm -hmm. a lot of mental. Uh, health issues out there, right? Mm -hmm. And something that you know, we we look on, 
you know, we see someone physically and we think, oh, they look okay. But mm-hmm. we don't know what's happening in the brain, in the right? Brain, yes, absolutely. So how, I know this is going a bit kind of like <laughs> tangential to, you know, Salat. Mm-hmm. But you see, if you bring it back and you think, right, okay, if I just make that connection with my creator, with my God, mm-hmm. and, you know, what is, how, how do I, I can't pick up a phone. Mm-hmm. I can't pick up uh, an iPad, right, and get in touch with him. Um the only form of communication that I have with my creator is through prayer. Absolutely. And you know, if I and you see, it's it does like I say, it's it's stating the office. If you pray, there, and I think you said it earlier mm-hmm. on, right? Actually, mm-hmm. it's that ablution of prayer. It's that purification that prayer actually gives you when you're partaking of it Absolutely. as well, right? Even whether it's whether like. Uh, Imam Lake was like uh, saying to us, whether you're doing it on your own or in congregation, you know, obviously it's better to do it in congregation. Uh, but if not, then to do it on time is the bare minimum. Absolutely. I mean, to elaborate on your point, that was exactly, you know, the Promised Messiah Islam, he, uh, said regarding Salat. He, sta- he states, Salat is an instrument for security against sins. It is a characteristic feature of Salat that it drives one away from sin and evil deeds. Therefore, seek the sort of Salat and try to mold your Salat accordingly. Salat is the essence of blessing. Favors of Allah are attained through the Salat. Therefore, perform it decently, perform it uh, decently that you may inherit Allah's blessing. So that is what, you know, the promised Messiah says regarding Salat. And uh, when we... um, get back to into the two hours we will be discussing uh, the same topic mm-hmm. about the um, bath um, and obviously uh, what are our responsibilities as an yeah. Ahmadi as a Muslim here's the five o'clock news. welcome back to your drive time show and uh, you can tweet us at voice of Islam and also you can um, um, make a call to us and ask any question you have the number is 020 Seven eight, yeah, and please uh, call us. Call us. Yeah, it's, yeah. it is New Year's, mm-hmm. so those re- resolutions. Whether you're gonna um, take what we're telling you, right? These mm-hmm. ten conditions of bat as uh, as your, I suppose, your targets, right? To 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 elevate yourself, uh, both spiritually and physically this year. Call us, yeah, on o two o eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, and join in the conversation. Um, so we got to, I think, uh, condition three. So what are conditions four and five? Yes. Imran? So the uh, the fourth and five condition of bad are that he shall not con- uh, inflict injury or any of Allah's crea- uh, creations, and uh, that he would bear every hardship for the sake of Allah. Together, these two conditions sum up the duty to fulfill the rights of God and rights of His creation. God has enjoyed at every step to honor the rights of his creation. Until we are grateful to our fellow people, we cannot be grateful to our creator, to our God. Fulfilling the rights to other do not only attain pleasure of God, but also inspires other people to do this as well. Hence, allowing all of us to grow in a spiritual in a spiritual level as society. Now, when considering the rights of Allah and tolerating everything for for his, for his sake doesn't just you know mean to tolerate persecution but it also means fighting your own personal battles with evil for the sake of Allah for example 
not using foul language when you may be in line for the sake of Allah is a personal better for is a personal better for Allah. It means that that he or she shall remain faithful to God in all circumstances of life, in sorrow, in happiness, in adversity and in prosperity, in frailty and in trial, and that he or she shall in all condition remain resigned to the decree of God and keep himself or herself ready to face all kind of indities and suffering in his way and shall never return away from him at the outslot of any misfortune. So, you know, this... So, um, let's talk about uh, to our um, guest, uh, Imam Tahir Khalid Sahib. Uh, welcome to the Drive Time Show. Imam Tahir Khalid Sahib, can you hear us? Are you with us, Tahir Khalid Sahib? Assalamualaikum. Walaikum Please some blessings be upon you, my former or our former co-host, I should say, or my former co-host. Your uh, former co-host. Yeah, my former co-host is Stephen. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been. Yeah. It certainly has been a while. <laughs> so, in the land of Hertfordshire. Yes, in the land of Hertfordshire, there's a lot of uh, water has passed under that bridge, mainly the World <laughs> Cup. Uh, yeah. I'm quite sure that you're quite happy with Messi. Oh yeah. Oh God. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the World Cup. Uh, um, I, th- I think we all did, actually. I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we did. We, we, I think, and uh, uh, I'm really, honestly, impressed with uh, Qatar, how mm-hmm. they managed it. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate, obviously, with uh, you have one side, you have the media mm-hmm. saying uh, that they're doing this, they're doing that, but on the other side, you see on the ground, people were really mm-hmm. happy and impressed by. Um, I think the organization uh, and the effort. I mean, I th- and I think what that showed really is this is an Islamic country, and you know you don't need to have. Uh, I think you know initially you had this like very negative uh, press about well you know what we're not being allowed to have alcohol, um, you know the the idea of uh, certain rights not being given to the LGBTQ community um, because of. You know, because it's an Islamic country. Yeah, but I think it's, you know, sorry I'm interrupting you. I think it's a bit you silly always did. too. I know. <laughs> I, know I, <laughs> I have a habit of doing that, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's just, I think it's a bit silly mm-hmm. um, to for them to, for the media, you know, and, the, and like the Western world to try and impose their beliefs or their, their ideologies on an Islamic nation. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, if you're, you're going to different, you go to a different country, you ha- you know that they have certain guidelines, certain mm-hmm. rules, certain regulations that you have to follow. Mm-hmm. If you don't follow it, then you get imprisoned or people well, will get no, upset. I, I think that's a bit that's a bit harsh. But, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, mean, think I mean no no people will get I, upset really. I agree totally, uh Tahir. But you know what? If you're upset by those things then don't go. Mm-hmm. It's quite simple. Yeah. Just don't go. Yeah, right? why, why waste money? <laughs> why, <laughs> yeah. why waste money? But I, I think I think the general kind of consensus on the ground amongst even those spectators that went, uh, the commentators that went, was that actually they were, you know, quite surprised and quite happy uh, to have been there and partaken in a very, very exciting World Cup. But I think yeah. that's that's more of the aside now. I know we've only got you for so so much time because your time is precious. So we've been talking about... 
you know, obviously the new year and its New Year's resolutions. But, you know, giving it through the or looking at New Year's resolutions through the prism, through the lens of Islam. We're looking in terms of, uh, you know, how we can rectify ourselves, how we can elevate ourselves, yeah, using the conditions of bat. So, you know, are the 10 conditions of bat, uh, you know, a new invention or just primarily an invention for us in the community of Ahmadiyyat, you know, us uh, Ahmadi Muslims? It's a, it's a very good a very good question. Mm, obviously. Um, I'll try and answer it to, to the best of my ability. I mean, it's whether, whether we can look at it as a new invention or not um, is, is something which hopefully I'll try and get into. The, the essence of being a Muslim. Now, we know that the Quran says that we've, uh, I mean, in our shows together, we mentioned it a number of times where God says that there's no compulsion in religion. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, is, this compulsion is actually in terms of you choosing your faith. Right. If you want to be a Muslim, you can be a Muslim. There's no one forcing you to be a Muslim. If you want to leave and you want to be a Christian, you want to be a Jew, you want to be a non-believer, that's totally up to you. There's no compulsion in faith. Mm. However, once you do join, whichever faith you're joining, but when the when the Quran speaks about Islam um, and the guidance that it gives for Muslims, is that when you do join, you are expected to fulfill the, the injunctions of the Holy Quran. Mm-hmm. As Muslims, whether you accept yourselves as an Ahmadi Muslim, as we do, or a non-Ahmadi Muslim, as general Muslims, there are three main sources of guidance. Number one is the Quran. Number two, we have the Sunnah of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And number three, we have the narrations, the ahadith of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Mm-hmm. Now, Everything which we have received in terms of guidance prior to the coming of Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, who claimed to be the promised Messiah, was through the Quran. That was elaborated upon by many scholars, uh, um, many pious people of the past had uh, had commentated on the Holy Quran, um, in narrations the Holy Prophet himself had commented on certain things. And so... All of these injunctions of the Holy Quran are the number one source of guidance. It's what is expected of a Muslim to fulfill. Mm-hmm. As a Muslim, you are expected, because you've committed yourself to a religion, once you've committed yourself, then you should be expected to fulfill those conditions or fulfill what is the requirement to be a Muslim. Number one is your, you have your declaration of faith, mm-hmm. uh, then you have your, your pillars, the, the, then you have your, the, the prayers, salat, um, then you have, uh, you have the, the hajj, you have fasting, mm-hmm. um, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, zakat as well, <laughs> the, the tax system. So these are the five, five conditions as such. But again, apart from these, these are, you can say, the five, the main, mm-hmm. main pillars that you have, really. Mm-hmm. But, Within these, this, there's, you can say, um, in a way, there's, these are the titles, and then you have subtitles, you have subheadings. Mm-hmm. It's broken, it's, these, these pillars are broken down into smaller pillars. Um, and this is what the Ten Conditions of Bayat are. The Ten Conditions of Allegiance 
they're not something which Mirza Ghulam Ahmed has himself, the Promised Messiah himself has invented out of thin air. Mm-hmm. These have all been derived from the Holy Quran. Mm-hmm. So it's a synthesis. For example, exactly. It's it's like a synthesis. It's it's you can say a summary mm-hmm. uh, of of the Holy Quran because in the Quran there are what, mm-hmm. over seven hundred commandments, mm-hmm. um, and so the way that the the promised messiah through divine guidance this is something we have to understand really it's not him himself saying that look look if you want to become a follower of me or if you want to join my community then this is what you have to follow these things which i'm saying mm-hmm. he himself has said um that this this is something which god has told me god has instructed me to make these conditions god has instructed me to allow people to join the community you see, at that time, Islam was being attacked very heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, in in those days, around the 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 eighteen hundreds, um, the early nineteen hundreds, mm-hmm. um, Muslims were being converted into Christian, um, into Christianity, in thousands, hundreds of thousands. And number one, uh, one of the number one proofs, which had kind of um, you can say compelled the Muslims to leave their faith was that the Christian priests, when they came to India at the time, the subcontinent, and they started preaching their message, they told them, "Your prophet has died. Mm-hmm. Muhammad is 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 dead and buried in the ground, and Jesus is alive in the skies." Mm-hmm. Um, right. But the, the Muslims, they were unable to defend themselves. They were unable to, um, you can say, <coughs> literally defend and combat. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and um, come come back with any sort of argument, um, rebuttal what the the arguments that they're given. Mm-hmm. But when Mr. Ghulam Ahmed, through through from from when he was receiving <clears throat> his revelations from the from the mid 1800s, um, and he was God Almighty was guiding him. God Almighty was explaining certain aspects of the Holy Quran about Islam and revealing what was missing. Not a new religion again. Mm-hmm. These things were hidden, um, and it's, uh, Allah the Almighty wanted them to be revealed again. Wanted them to be disclosed to people. Mm-hmm. Wanted people to see the light again. Mm-hmm. Um, people saw that this person is a champion of Islam. This person is a defender of our faith. Mm-hmm. When the Christians were having debates, he was the only one who Muslims. I mean, you can look at the the, the history of the debates which were taking place at that time in the 1800s, 1900s. Muslims were unanimously um, agreeing and and voting in favor of Mirza Ghulam Ahmed to be the one mm-hmm. to to defend Islam. Mm-hmm. So he was seen as a figure. But what happened was when people started saying that, look, we want to follow you, we want to be part of your community. He said, and this was in uh, around the 1880s, um, mm-hmm. and he said, he said that, look, I haven't been given. I haven't been commissioned. I haven't been told to to start taking uh, pledges. Mm-hmm. And God Almighty hasn't told me to take pledge of people. Um, so this was this was um, 1888, mm-hmm. around 1888. Um, and at this time, before 1888, people were asking him that we want to join your community, but he kept saying that look, I haven't been appointed to. Um, to do this, to, mm-hmm. to, to take, um, I haven't been commissioned to yeah. take. At that um, point, he was just a reviver 
of Islam. Exactly. Yeah. So, so after, from 1888 onwards, he received the divine commandment, and that commandment says that, uh, and when you make, and when you made up your mind, then trust Allah and make an ark before our eyes, and according to our revelation, those who take a pledge at your hand take a pledge with Allah. Allah's hand is above their hands. Mm-hmm. So from this point onwards, the Prophet Messiah then he decided that only those people who are who have who are pious in their nature and who were showing fidelity, loyalty to to him and to Islam, they should join. Not people who are weak in their faith. Mm-hmm. If they're, they're if they're weak and in a in a way, uh, in a, in a form of being hypocrites, they weren't. He was he wanted them to be. You can say, civiled out. He wanted to recognize mm-hmm. who were those who were who were hypocrites. Who were those mm-hmm. who were who were true pious Muslims. Um, and so he he waited. And I'm going into the into the background of of mm-hmm. this actual when the condition started, but when his when his son passed away, um, Bashir the first, a lot of people turned away from him, and they said, "Well, how can you be a prophet of God when your son has died? Um, mm. You're not truthful." So, on this moment, from this, he decided that those people who stayed loyal with him, they will join the community. And when they, and then on the first of December, 1888, he made an announcement that people can come and join um, the community. And but first he said everyone should pray, everyone should pray um, in, a, in according to the tradition, the guidance of the Holy Prophet. And when you pray, then you can come and join the community. And then he explained what the what the objectives are. I mean, you you mentioned throughout the show what the what the what the actual conditions are. Mm-hmm. But the the objectives of why he wanted to get people to take bed is. He says in eight on March the fourth, eighteen eighty nine, that the system, this system of initiation, has been established solely to gather together a group of the righteous people in a jamaat, in a community, so that a weighty group of the righteous people should make a holy impact on the world. Mm-hmm. The unity of these righteous people should be a source of blessings, grandeur, and positive results for Islam. Mm-hmm. The blessings of being united on one creed may enable them to perform noble and righteous services for the sake of Islam. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, there's so much more which he mentioned on that particular date. I mean, I think the thing is, like, when, you, when you're talking, well, um, regaling us, actually, at the inception of Ahmadiyyat, at the hand of the promised Messiah, may Allah be pleased with him. Um, I think the word that I, is resonating in my mind in a positive way is fundamentalism. But not in terms of fundamentalism, not in terms of what Western media would like us to think it is um, regarding Islam as a religion. But fundamentalism as in casting away all those things which have become, um, let's say, fake tradition within a religion and actually going back to the core belief and the core values of Islam, and that is what think, the promised Messiah gave us. I think you're 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 quite right with that. I mean, it we see with um with with this, you can say, like you mentioned, the 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 meaning which people take 
in which they derive a fund- fundamentalism mm-hmm. of of having a, an aspect of modernity, mm-hmm. having an aspect of of a, a revived, a new, a newer, a more modern faith. Mm-hmm. It, it's something which um, it, it goes against what the actual faith teaches. Mm-hmm. It goes against the root of Islam, for example. And when when you see when just on this point, it just occurred to me that. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, when the verses of, of uh, Surah Jummah were revealed to him, mm-hmm. when he was, uh, and, and the verses go and say that, وَآخَرِينَ مِنْهُمْ لَمَّا يَلْحَقُوا بِهِمْ that, uh, And unto the unlettered people, or those who, who have not yet met them, he will send a messenger unto them. Mm-hmm. Um, um, if we look at uh, Surah Jummah, um, if I open up the the Holy Quran, just so that you can get the actual um, translation before um, I don't want to say something which is uh, incorrect. You can say, mm-hmm. but if we if we look at the actual in the Holy Quran um, in in Surah in Surah Jummah, um, God Almighty states, "Huwallazi baasa fil ummiyina rasulan minhum." يَسْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ هُوَ الَّذِي بَعَثَ فِي الْأُمِّيِّينَ رَسُولًا مِنْهُمْ يَسْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ وَإِنْ كَانُوا مِنْ قَبْلُ لَفِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ وَآخَرِينَ مِنْهُمْ لَمَّا يَلْحَقُوا بِهِمْ وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ That he it is who has raised among the unlettered people a messenger from among themselves who recites unto them his signs and purifies them and teaches them the book and wisdom, although they had been before in manifest misguidance. This is talking about the people of Arabia at that time when the Holy Prophet people when the Holy Prophet was sent to these people mm-hmm. who were unlettered. The Arabs were, or particularly those people, um, uh, the Holy Prophet himself was unlettered. He 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 wasn't educated in that in 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 the way that we can. You would expect someone to be. Um, the Quran has mm-hmm. has referred to him as Ummi, uh, an unlettered prophet. Um, but then, what happened in the next verse? God Almighty states, and among others from among them who have who have not yet joined them, mm-hmm. he is the mighty, the wise. Meaning, the way God Almighty has sent a prophet to the unlettered people from among themselves. In the next verse, God Almighty says, and among others. Mm-hmm. Among others, from mm-hmm. among them, who have not yet joined them. So God Almighty will send a prophet again, he will send him back. Mm-hmm. And when this verse was revealed, um, the companions asked, who are these people? Um, and um, we've, a lot of us have heard the famous narration, the, the companions asked three times, and the Holy Prophet stayed quiet on each, in, on each question. But the third time he said that when faith goes to the Pleiades, a man from and his hand, the Holy Prophet's hand was on the shoulder of Salman the Persian, Salman Farsi, and he said when a man when faith goes to the Pleiades, a man from his descendants will bring will bring it back. Um, and and another in another narration, when when they asked the companions asked how can we recognize them, he said, Ma ana alayhi wa ashabi that they will be those who will be following the path which me and my companions follow. Right. So just like you said, that actual fundamental beliefs, the fundamental values, the original 
teaching. Mm-hmm. That is what the, the promised Messiah was was sent to do. Mm-hmm. The purity of what, Islam. Exactly. And this is what the, the ten conditions of Bayt, the, the mm-hmm. initiation of pledge of allegiance into the fold of Ahmadiyya, uh, these are what they refer to. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are They are derived from the Holy Quran. Uh, I mean, some people might say, I mean, the Holy Quran doesn't talk about I mean, if you look at the 10th condition of Bayt, for example, mm-hmm. um, it talks about pledging allegiance to Mr. Ghulam Ahmed mm-hmm. um, and believing in him to be a true prophet um, and uh, pledging obedience in him uh, and remaining faithful um, into, into him, into the community, into God, up to the Day of Judgment. But if you look at the Holy Quran uh, and the verse like I've mentioned from Surah Juma and other verses, it talks about... Um, prophets or, or a prophet to come and mm-hmm. prophets which can come and it talks about accepting them those those will be rightly guided prophets you should accept them and obey them again if you look at like I mentioned in my first answer right in the beginning the sources of guidance the sunnah mm-hmm. after the, the holy Quran and then you have the narrations of the holy prophet these mm-hmm. all talk about a prophet coming a prophet who will revive Islam who will be the messiah who mm-hmm. will be the mahdi uh, and they will be a heavenly group. They will be a heavenly community. And um, when he, the Holy Prophet said that when when he comes, when you hear his call, then you should pledge your allegiance to him. Mm-hmm. The Holy Prophet says in one narration, That when you hear his call, then you should pledge your allegiance to him, even if you have to crawl over mountains of snow and ice. Mm-hmm. Right? This is the commandment of the Holy Prophet himself, that we should pledge allegiance to the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So all of these, these are the fundamental beliefs of what a Muslim should be. Mm-hmm. And again, these are all derived from the Holy Quran. And all of these things, all of the, all of the conditions which you've been mentioning throughout the show, talk mm-hmm. about how you can be a good Muslim, yeah. uh, an honorable, a loyal Muslim who can serve your faith, and you can serve um, your, your nation. You can serve humanity. These mm. are the, the rights of God and the rights of mankind mm. can be fulfilled if you're being a true Muslim. Mm. So, yeah, Imam Tahir um, Khalid, you mentioned a um, couple of the sayings of the Holy Prophet regarding believing in the promised Messiah. Now, uh, are you not a true Muslim if you cannot you know, fulfill these conditions of faith, the Pledge of Allegiance? person who calls himself a Muslim, again, this is, I'm, I'm mentioning and reiterating some of the points which I mentioned mm-hmm. on my, my first answer. Uh, a person who calls himself a Muslim is someone who will who is expected by the standard which is set by the Quran and the narrations and the sunnah of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, right. that they are expected to pray. They are expected to seek knowledge. They're expected to continuously seek Allah's help and guidance and succor. Mm-hmm. And, and this happens through prayer. This happens through uh, understanding and reading the Holy Quran and believing that what the Quran says, that the Quran is a living book, that the Quran will provide answers to the problems that you are facing in your day-to-day life. Now, as a true Muslim, we uh, or, or someone who refers to themselves as a Muslim, again, you're 
expected to pray, you're expected to seek guidance, you're expected to believe that the Holy Prophet has said that a Messiah will come. You're expected to believe that the Holy Prophet has said that you should pledge allegiance to him. And if a person hears the message that, I mean, I'm I'm taking this into the sense of more towards Ahmadiyya, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. if, I mean, there's two sides, you can mention it just on Ahmadiyya or you can just mention it for for those who who (laughs) have heard who have come across the message of Islam. Mm-hmm. But for those who have come across the message of Islam, in the, for these group of people, yes, they can be... It is up to God who will, will decide whether they are a true Muslim or not. Mm-hmm. But as if you have accepted yourself to be a Muslim, then you are expected to fulfill the what the commandments of the Holy Qur'an are. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what it is regarded to be a Muslim. Again, the Quran says you're not, you are not. There's no compulsion in religion. Mm-hmm. But when you have accepted a faith, and in, in this in, in this instance, if you've accepted Islam, you are expected to fulfil what Islam tells you to do. Mm. I've got to say, and, Tahir, actually, uh, through our you know, conversation regarding the bat and stuff, and it's exactly as you've you framed it now. You know, as a Muslim, uh, you know, as Islam is non-compulsive as a religion. But if you accept that this is going to be your religion, then you follow the rules. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it prefaces or it actually uh, frames what we said about Qatar. I know it's a bit flippant, <laughs> but exactly that, right? You know, it is what yeah. it says on the mm-hmm. tin. The Muslim country, they have Muslim rules. Exactly. And you abide by them. If you don't, then don't go to that country. Yeah. Mm. Exactly, and it's, it's, you have that choice. Exactly. Similarly, Islam has pre- presented this choice. Mm. If you want to be a Muslim, these are the set, these there are certain conditions you have to follow. I mean, mm-hmm. nowadays people talk about uh, being liberal Muslims or being mm. modern Muslims, but in in the in the in the in the you can say the disguise of being a modern Muslim, people have forgotten to pray. Mm-hmm. People have forgotten to that there is a veil for both men and women. Mm-hmm. There is instructions in the Holy Quran and in the narrations of chastity, which has to be maintained, of of humility and humbleness, which has to be maintained. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, and, and how you shouldn't boast, you shouldn't be boastful, how you shouldn't mm-hmm. be arrogant. Um, the, uh, being, uh, and some people, uh, unfortunately, we see in the media as well, um, they've, they've, You've taken Islam from either end of the spectrum. Either you've you've gone to the extreme end, mm-hmm. where it's it's the, the I mean we we see um, we've seen in the media the past and present of of uh, terrorist organisations who have taken extreme Islam to an extreme level, mm-hmm. um, which is completely against the teachings of Islam. Mm-hmm. And then you have people on the 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 left, you can say the far left. Who have taken a very liberal approach and understanding to us of Islam, um, where they've, where yes, they've accepted Islam. They, they believe Islam is the right way, and it gives them freedom, and it gives them um, the choice, and, and 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 it gives them, you can say, uh, a purpose of life. But they fail, unfortunately, to to find the balance. Mm. And Islam presents a beautiful balance mm. in every aspect of our life. Mm. Um, and that's why, like you mentioned again, to be if someone 
it's not up to me, it's not up to anyone really to say mm. whether you're a true Muslim or not. Mm, that's God up Almighty to God. is the ultimate judge. The God Almighty is the ultimate judge. Oh. Um, it's up to you to fulfill the conditions which are expected of you. And then you'll be judged accordingly. You'll be judged according to how you are expected to fulfill the requirements. Because if you're if you're not fulfilling the requirement, if you're you're calling yourself a Muslim but you're not practicing, then how 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 do you expect to be judged? Yeah, exactly. But then then you should just say that I'm not a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I have a faith. I, whether you believe in God or not, that's up to you to decide, mm-hmm. and that's for you to 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 present. Mm-hmm. But if you do present yourself as a Muslim, then these are the conditions. There are requirements which are there for our betterment. Mm-hmm. which are there to help us grow, which are there to help us become valuable members of society mm-hmm. um, and to bring an impact in someone's life, mm-hmm. to be helpful, to be kind, to be caring, to be loyal, to be trustworthy. Mm-hmm. This is what Islam teaches us. Um, to go above and beyond to help people in need, mm-hmm. to serve mankind, to serve humanity until your last breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and people unfortunately have taken uh, a, a wrong interpretation of Islam. I think that that's just, you know, as a, as a observer of, I suppose, Western culture, Western society, uh, it's not just Western culture, but obviously within um, the viewpoint from Islam, that I think society nowadays, whether it be even in the religion of Islam, that it's one or the other it's and what i mean by one or the other is that it's extreme views there doesn't seem to be um that middle ground anymore um it's, it's the juxtaposition which people are facing exactly the juxtaposition <laughs> i was waiting for that to come in yes yes but anyway uh we'll let you get on your way uh, Imam Tahir Khalid, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Safe pleasure. travels pleasure. in Stevenage. Thank you, thank you very much. It's a pleasure talking to you guys. <laughs> and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. And, you and, and the same to you too in Stevenage. Um, Walaikum salam. So that was Imam Tahir Khalid um, who was giving us the insight about the bayat and why, we sh- uh, why um one should do the bad of the promised Messiah, mm-hmm. and uh, now let's g- get back to the over uh, sixth and seven and uh, six and seven condition of bayat. Mm-hmm. If you quickly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the sixth and seventh conditions are that he shall not follow vulgar customs and guard against evil inclinations, and that he shall discard pride and haughtiness and live in humility and meekness. Although the Almighty says that if they do not accept this invitation of yours, then know that they only follow their own evil inclinations. And who is more erring than he who follows his evil inclinations without any guidance from Allah? Verily, Allah guides not the unjust people. That's from the Holy Quran, uh, chapter 28, verse 51. Now, in this verse, Allah has given a very clear verdict that he should make us fearful. Those who follow their vain desires will never be rightly guided uh, or misguided, one should say. Mm. Uh, we also read in the Holy Quran that as for him who fears the station of his Lord and restrains his soul from evil desires, the paradise shall surely be his home. And this is uh, verse 79, 
chapter, sorry, chapter 79, verse 41 of the Holy Quran. Let's hear the, Let's hear the uh, audio regarding this and then we'll get back to you. And lose all your inhibition and senses is not service to the nation. There are many other immoral activities and harmful vices prevalent that are considered part of what makes this a so-called free society. Yet, let it be clear that engaging in such vices and, in, in, and immoral behavior does not make you free and nor does it raise the station and status of your nation. On the contrary, such activities take a person far away from God Almighty. And so, instead of benefiting humanity, immoral behavior serves only to hurt a country and weaken the moral fabric of society. Hence, all Ahmadis, men, women, and children, must understand that the way to serve their nation and to be loyal to it is by upholding the highest moral standards and acting upon the teachings of Islam by fulfilling the rights of God Almighty and his creation. The tragic reality is that those who consider themselves the most civilized and progressive people of the modern world fail to understand the immense harm and far-reaching consequences of the immodesty and vulgarity that pervades today's society. God knows better when, but one day, they will surely realize the error of their ways and will admit the liberalism has gone too far, but by then it will be extremely difficult for them to re-establish higher morals in society. Thus, it is the duty of all Ahmadi Muslims to ensure that they stand up for what is right and to have the courage of their convictions. Now that was uh, the worldwide uh, head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and you was listening to him. Now the idea of um, overcoming your evil inclination is a vital one and something a true and something a true believer tries to overcome in his everyday life all the time. The greater jihad considered the, the more important one is also called jihad against self i.e. a struggle to subdue one's own ego against evil inclination and tendency. It is a spiritual striving to attain nearness to God and is a long life conscious striving in combat in every Muslim. Today's program is about how to increase our spiritual standards, which is itself the greater jihad, because this means the struggle of one reformation, the struggle is against your own temptation such as greed, lust and other worldly temptation. This is a journey of a person from an animalistic state of existence, i.e. living for um, living for immendi- uh, living for the gratification or to gain to one where uh, his uh, physique is disciplined enough through exercise through moral exercise. 
Now, this type of jihad is obligatory on every Muslim throughout his life. Mm. So here the Promised Messiah is talking, or the, uh, uh, in this condition of bad, he's talking about the jihad, self, uh, one self-circle against himself. Mm. Um, and I think, Iran, you know, the thing, the popular misconception of, of uh, jihad, I suppose, in the West now, right. is that it's a battle, it's a, you know, kind of like it's warfare, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, like the uh, Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, said, you know, the first and most important jihad or, you know, we shouldn't say jihad means battle. Jihad mm-hmm. is struggle. Right. right. Uh, and the first most important one is that struggle of oneself. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, to put it in a kind of like a layman's terms, like you, you have problems waking up in the morning. Right. So that's a struggle. Mm-hmm. It's a physical struggle. So you have to write yourself. You have to kind of make yourself a better person you know and that's why uh, going back to one of the um, pillars of islam salat prayer is praying on the prescribed times Absolutely. right yeah. so you have to get up for fajr prayer mm-hmm. and it's not a case of like actually you know what i'm going to get up around about eight because that's my normal time i'm going to do fajr prayer then mm-hmm. because then you've missed the timing right, right. so there's no point so you have not the inclination. And this is going back to something that uh, Imam Tahir was like saying, that, look, Islam is a religion of non-compulsion. But, and this is the caveat, right? This is the uh, precursor, that if you do choose Islam, then you've got to follow the rules. There's no point in playing a game, whether it be football, whether it be golf, right? Mm-hmm. And playing it by your own rules. Right. Because no one's going to listen to you, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I do play golf to my own rules sometimes, right? But, no, not those kind of rules. So, yeah, those were the sixth and seventh condition of bad. What are the eighth and ninth conditions of bad then? Yeah, so um, that he shall hold his faith, dignity and the welfare of Islam dear than his own life and wealth and children and that he shall have sympathy for all of God's creation and devote his uh, talents to their self. Now, uh, let us listen the audio regarding this and then we'll get back to you. Today, all of you should make a firm pledge that you will be the people who will seek to protect Islam from all of the attacks of it faces and you will be the people who seek to spread its peaceful teachings far and wide. We are truly fortunate that the Prophet Muhammad left his Jamaat with so much beautiful and detailed, gui- detailed guidance. Thus, in order to defense, uh, defend Islam, you must keep in view what he required from his followers and what his expectations were. At one place, he wrote that this is the era of a spiritual war, and a war between good and satanic influences has started. He said that satanic influences would use everything at their disposal to attack and defeat Islam. And so that was, that was why Allah had established the Ahmadiyya community to defeat his influence once and for all. Thus, when an Ahmadiyya youth takes the bath of the Prophet Islam with the intention of becoming a true Muslim, they must continually pay attention to their own personal state. Satanic influences are attacking Islam both from within and from outside. There is no, uh, there is conflict 
There is conflict within the Muslim world. Whilst the powerful opponents of Islam are happily stoking fires of hatred and creating unnecessary disorder in the Muslim world. It is the ill fortune of the Muslims of today that they do not realize this and are letting the external forces divide them. Thus, Amdi youths must pledge that they will be, be a shield protecting Islam and prove to the world that it is a religion of peace. They must be determined in this effort to highlight the true teachings of Islam and be ready for every effort and sacrifice in this noble cause. Further, the Prophet Muhammad has also said that the reason Allah established the Ahmadiyya community was because of the increasing distance between mankind and God Almighty. The means of reaching God were, becoming, were being hidden and so the Prophet was sent by Allah to shine a light upon them. Thus our Ahmadi youths must seek to recognize their creator and to reform themselves. Only then will they be able to play their roles, their roles in, the, in, in uh, illuminating the pathways reaching Allah the Almighty. Now that was the worldwide head of Ahmadiyya Muslim community and he was talking about uh, the rights of uh, Allah the Almighty and his creation. Now uh, we go straight towards our next guest uh, who is Imam um, Rabib Mirza and uh, uh, Assalamu Alaikum and welcome to the show. Wa alaikum peace be upon you and Jazakallah for having me. Jazakallah. So, um, Imam Sab, as we're talking about the um, the condition of the bayat and the responsibilities of Ahmadis, so um, can you tell us that how can fulfilling the rights of uh, mankind increase our spiritual standards, and does the spiritual standard for of atheists such as doctor who do uh, good for humanity increases even though they may not believe in God Himself? So, first and foremost, uh, of course. Um, fulfilling the rights of human beings is a step forwards in spirituality um, and especially in light of the Islamic teachings we are taught that Islam is a religion um, that discharges the rights of two things first it discharges the rights of God and second it's to discharge the rights of humanity the creation that's why in the word, um, the Arabic language, mm -hmm. the word for man is insan. And it is actually a word that is a plural word. So insan comes from the word uns, meaning love. So a person can only actually really be deemed as a person when he fulfills these two things as well. In other words, he fulfills the rights of God Almighty and he fulfills the rights of the creation. Now, specifically talking about the rights of the creation and how they um, grant the uh, ability or they grant the opportunity, I should say, for a person to increase in spirituality, we know that on one occasion the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said that on the day of judgment, 
when man is brought before God, mm-hmm. God Almighty will say that um, I was sick, I needed shelter, I needed clothing, I was thirsty. Mm-hmm. And man will say to God that, oh God, when were you ever thirsty? You are, you know, above this. Mm-hmm. When, when were you ever in need of any drink or water? When were you ever in need of any shelter? When mm-hmm. were you in need of any fooding or clothing? God Almighty will say to man that, do you not remember that there was a person who needed a shelter, a person who was thirsty, a person who needed clothing? In actuality, it was me. So the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, the holy founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has very beautifully elaborated on this tradition of the holy prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, where he's mentioned that the name of religion is striving and to fulfill the rights of the creation is a means to get closer to God Almighty. So if a person does not fulfill the rights of the creation, in other words, he does not assist them, he does not help them, mm-hmm. then he is deprived of the blessings of God Almighty. Now, of course, there are doctors out there who may not believe in God Almighty. Mm-hmm. Of course, they are serving humanity um, you know, in, in their own manner, in their own way. However, one thing that we should remember is that we cannot condone a person to hell and we cannot say that this person is guaranteed heaven. That fundamentally is in the eyes of God Almighty. God Almighty knows who is going to hell and who is going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, that atheist who does not believe in God Maybe God Almighty will definitely reward him for that. However, because on a religious basis we have been taught um, to serve humanity, therefore that vigor um, and that uh, you know that that sentiment of uh, helping humanity will be much much more than atheist. Of course, as I'm mentioning, I'm not saying that um, you know that no one else that does not believe in God, does not have that sentiment, but because religion actually engenders and inculcates this within its followers, therefore, that sentiment of helping mankind, that will be much, much more. Mm. So, uh, Imam Rabib, what you're saying is that, say for instance, uh, we take uh, a case in point, the case of an atheist and the case of a believer. So, Say, for instance, you have um, um, an atheist doctor, a uh, Islamic doctor, right? Two doctors. And they both are serving humanity through their work. Then would it be correct to say then that there are more blessings given to the Islamic doctor than that of the atheist doctor? Of course, because fundamentally... And why would that be? And, and the, reason, the reason, again, for that is because this is something that God Almighty has um, commanded uh, within the Holy Quran, and also it's something that he taught his prophets, that, um, and obviously then the prophets taught their followers, mm-hmm. that to serve humanity is a great act of charity. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that, uh, you know, God forbid, that the the atheist who serves humanity is not going to get a reward for this. Mm-hmm. Allah knows best 
what reward he will get for this. Right. But what I'm trying to explain is that fundamentally, the followers of religion, again, because they have been taught this, again, from a, from a very young age, um, I'll just give you one simple example, mm-hmm. that uh, just yesterday, um, you know, uh, thousands of our youth uh, across the world, um, every uh, day after New Year's Eve, so in the early mornings of New Year's Day, they go out and they clean the streets. Now, where this is, again, uh, helping their local communities, on the other hand, that vigor, that passion to serve the communities is being um, you know, religiously endorsed. And when I, when I say religiously endorsed, I mean in the sense that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has taught us that love for your country is an integral part of your faith. Mm-hmm. And he's also taught us that you know, when you are walking and if there's some sort of a thorny bush on the road and you put it to the side, that's an act of charity in itself. Mm-hmm. So to keep our streets clean, to serve our communities in a way, it's actually on one hand where we're serving our communities, we're also serving our faith because our faith teaches us these very fundamental things. Um, you know, on a governmental level, there may be small schemes, but the fact of the matter is, um, and I say this with all you know, humility and humbleness, that no government and, and utmost respect that no government will ever teach you to respect your neighbors. Mm. No government will tell you that when you are cooking um, you know, your, your curry, make a little bit more gravy so you can give it to your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Or you, the government won't say that mm. your neighbors are around the 40 people that live around you. This is something that religion has taught us. Mm-hmm. So that's why, of course, there may be, you know, here and there, there may be people that are doing good deeds. The, you know, there's, there's absolutely no doubt in that. But the fact of the matter is that because this, these things have been taught to us by religion, therefore a religious person will have much, much more vigor mm-hmm. and much, much more passion to serve a humanity than that of an atheist. Mm, it's more yeah. amplified in that sense. So, you know, I mean, I find this question a bit uh, perplexing in myself, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it to you, right? So, you know, what's actually more important, the rights of Allah or the rights of mankind? So, actually, these are, you know, two overarching mm-hmm. um, things, duties, you can say. And the reason um, I say this is that sometimes the rights of humanity, they overarch the rights of Allah. Uh, and what I mean is that, for example, the Promised Messiah, the Holy Founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has taught us that let's say that the time for prayer has come, and as we know that there are uh, five daily prayers that a Muslim must offer. Now a time comes where you know the call for prayer has been made, that person is making his way to the mosque, he's gone to the mosque, and he somehow comes to know, uh, or you know, there's commotion, that uh, his neighbor's house is on fire, and his uh, neighbor, you know, necessarily does not necessarily have to be a Muslim. He can be a Hindu or a Christian mm-hmm. or even a person of no faith. His house is on fire. So the Promise of Sire has mentioned that if that person offers his prayer, that will not be a good deed. That will not be amale saleh, as it's mentioned in the Arabic language. Amale saleh, or good deed, is something that's done on its appropriate occasion. 
Mm-hmm. So that would not be the appropriate occasion for that person to have prayed because mm. his neighbor's house is on fire. Mm. The good deed then will be that he should go and save his neighbor mm-hmm. and ensure that he is protected and he is safe. So that's why the, sometimes the mm, rights of humanity, mm-hmm. they, over, you know, they overarch the rights of mm. God Almighty. It's the context of, course, yeah, of which it comes in. Absolutely. Mm. So, of course, fundamentally we understand that the rights of God Almighty are much, much more. However, the rights of humanity are just below it. And sometimes they even go above it. Mm-hmm. For example, now the Holy Quran even states that woe to those who pray. Now, the question is that prayer itself is a good deed. So what does this mean that when God Almighty has mentioned woe to those who pray? This basically means that if a person does not discharge the rights of humanity, he does not take care of his neighbors, he does not take care of the poor, the destitute, then his prayers are in vain. Mm. He can, you know, bow down and prostrate before God Almighty for hours on end. But again, if his neighbor is starving at home, Mm-hmm. then his prayer is going to be of no avail. That's why even um, there is uh, a, a story where there was a person who had collected or he had saved up money to go for Hajj, to go for the annual pilgrimage to Makkah. But he found out that uh, you know his neighbors, they, or his neighbor, they did not have any food. And um, I believe if the, the story is... If it's correct that um, the the neighbors they were actually e- eating uh, uh, the meat of the donkey, oh. so mm-hmm. when he found out about their state um, of affairs and he found them in this pitiable condition, he gave that money that he had saved for the ang- annual pilgrimage. He gave that money to his neighbors, that you know through this you can buy whatever you need, mm-hmm. uh, and you know you can mm, make yourself stable again. And it's mentioned that that year, God Almighty told that person his pilgrimage had been accepted, mm-hmm. and everyone else's that went to the pilgrimage that year, none of their pilgrimage had been accepted. Mm-hmm. So what does this show? Again, this shows that where the, you know, the Hajj, the annual pilgrimage, which is one of the most fundamental mm-hmm. pillars of Islam, it's, it's a, a fundamental pillar of Islam, pillar of Islam mm-hmm. Even in spite of that person not going to the annual pilgrimage, just so that he could take care of his impoverished neighbors, mm. just so that he could provide them with the proper provisions and the care, God Almighty was so pleased with that act that he said that your pilgrimage has been accepted and no one else's was accepted that year. Mm. And we know that you know tens of thousands of people go to the annual pilgrimage. So what does, again, this shows mm-hmm. that on certain occasions, the rights of humankind, they overarch the rights of God Almighty. Mm. Well, I'm just going to have to cut in there, Imam Rabib. We're coming to the end of the show, but uh, it's always a pleasure and an honor to speak to you, uh, especially today uh, on our first uh, New Year's edition of the Drive Time Show. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you so you. much for having have me. Have a good day. Now, the uh, ten and the last condition of bath is that he shall establish brotherhood with me, i.e. Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed the founder of family muslim community obeying me in all good things and firmly adhered to these rule until the last day now um obviously all of these conditions are not uh, you know easy to obey mm-hmm. uh, one need to ha- one need the help of allah the almighty and through prayer we can achieve all of the um 
all of the uh, ten condition of bad and mm-hmm. obviously it is not something you know else it is the basic core teaching of islam yeah exactly i mean it's it's our it's our duty really mm-hmm. as human beings to to obviously worship god and to um like help our fellow human beings and they're the you know, first two things that we can uh, do especially at the beginning of this new yeah. year but that brings us to the end of the uh, first monday's edition of the drive time show thank you to uh, our host imran akran uh, myself talib man and our producer for today labiba mubasha and our backroom staff zishan here is the six o'clock news